Let's pray. Father, we want to come before you in the name of your Son, your Son who gave himself up for us. Lord, we pray that you would teach us to love you, teach us to obey you, and give us the strength to do your will as we hear your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, turn in your Bibles. We'll be in the book of Mark. Big surprise there, I'm sure. Book of Mark, chapter 4, starting in chapter 4. We're starting in verse 1. Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Today, uh, we're studying the first major teaching section by Jesus in the book of Mark. This is kind of uh, a segue, I suppose. Or last last week was a bit more of the segue uh, into Jesus' ministry as he tours through Galilee, um, down to Jerusalem. Uh, most of his ministry up to this point has been pretty much centered around the city of Capernaum. Uh, now he is, as he is teaching by the sea after this one, he will be heading into the rest of Israel, down into Jericho uh, and other places along uh, the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. But today we will be studying the first parable that Jesus gives in the book of Mark. So the book of Mark, chapter 4, we'll start in verse 1. Please stand in reverence to the word of God. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside on the sea, or beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. The birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell along rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced good grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you have been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, see but not perceive. They may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and then it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown in good soil are the ones who hear the word of God and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. Amen. Please be seated. My job has actually been pretty easy this week because Jesus has actually interpreted the passage for me. So today, uh, we're going to go through this. We're going to look at the different kinds of people who respond to the word of God, to the word of the gospel. Uh, 
Every time someone presents the gospel to another person, there's a response that is required. Sometimes that response is acceptance. Sometimes that response is hostility, and sometimes that response is no response at all. But there's always a response to the gospel. There has to be. The gospel is something that calls for a response. The word of God demands a response. Jesus comes and he presents the word of God. As it said in uh, Mark chapter 1, we talked about this many weeks ago. Jesus steps up and begins his ministry where he says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This was something that Jesus was teaching constantly. He was always trying to get people to understand and to believe the gospel, the word of God. And there was a variety of responses. As we have already seen, as Jesus has had multiple conflicts with the Pharisees. So sometimes when the word of God is presented, it is met with hard unbelief and cold hostility. Sometimes he presents the word to someone like Peter, Andrew, and James and John, like it showed in uh, Mark chapter 1, verse uh, 17. And immediately, oh, that's 18, sorry. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. So in some cases, the response is an immediate acceptance, an immediate uh, joining in with what Jesus is saying. Jesus comes at this point. He has had multiple conflicts with the Pharisees. He has thousands of people following him. And now he is going to begin ministry. He's going to begin teaching with a vengeance. So he goes to teach beside the sea. A large crowd gathers around him. Again, we've talked about this a little bit already, but the crowd would have been somewhere in excess of five to 15,000 people at this point. And so Jesus gets into a boat, launches away from the shore, sits down and begins to teach. Interesting, uh, thing about Jewish culture was that when a teacher went to teach, he always sat down. Here in our culture, whenever a teacher goes to teach, they, they stand up. It's an interesting difference, but anyway, I find it interesting. Maybe you don't. So Jesus is sitting in a, in a boat beside the sea, and he begins to teach. He teaches uh, at the waterfront because he can't fit in the city, for one thing, and because the water would amplify the voice of the speaker. He's teaching them in parables. Now, a parable is a, a story that is used to illustrate a, a spiritual truth. He is teaching them in parables. And the first parable that he gives is the parable of the sower, where a sower goes out and he starts scattering seed in different places along the fields. This would have been a very familiar setting to the Jews in that time as probably where they were. They were probably trampling all over someone's grain field. Um, and there were, uh, Jesus talks about seeds sown along the path. So all throughout the land of Israel, um, people would own patches of land where they would grow, but there would be pathways that would be cut through their fields so that people could go by and not trample all of their crops. Uh, rocky ground and thorns, the thorns were, uh, uh, you may recall in the story of Jesus going to the cross that Jesus receives a crown of thorns. This likely would have been the same kind of thorns. Other seed fell uh, on rich and good soil, soil that had been uh, rototilled or 
plowed, I guess would be the, the correct term. Uh, and when seed would fall into that, it would, it would produce grain. Jesus said, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. But this was kind of confusing. This is something, the parables were something that Jesus did very often. And very rarely did people actually understand what he was saying. Very rarely did people actually figure out why Jesus was talking to them in these weird figures of speech. And in fact, later in, well, it's actually in the book of John, his disciples have a moment where they're like, finally, you're talking to us in plain language and not in figures of speech. So we know that this was something that Jesus did very often. So when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see, but not perceive. They may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. So in this sense, Jesus is showing us why he is using parables, the purpose of his using parables. The first purpose is to reveal the secrets of the kingdom of God to his people. When people are ready to receive the word of God, those who have been uh, worked in by the Holy Spirit, they will see the spiritual truth in Jesus's stories. And so Jesus is saying that basically he's coming and he's using these things so that the people who are ready to turn from their sin, the ones who are ready to believe in Christ will do it. But on the flip side, Jesus said, for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see, but not perceive. They may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. This here is a quote from Isaiah chapter six, uh, where God was calling Isaiah to step up in the midst of rampant unbelief in Israel. And he was calling him to step up and to start teaching, to start preaching the word of God, proclaiming God's word to the people. And God said, you're going to go out and you're going to proclaim the word of God. But these people have rejected my name already. They have turned away from me. And so every time that you speak, they're not going to listen. They are not going to turn away. But you have to speak anyway, because that is the job that I have given you. And Jesus is saying that essentially he's doing the work of Isaiah in this generation that he is speaking to. He is stepping up and he's using parables. He is declaring the word of God. But these people, the Israelites, are so hard-hearted and unrepentant that they are not going to listen. Because they have rejected Christ as the Messiah. In a sense, the parables show the faith of those who are ready and the unbelief of those who are not. In a sense, Jesus is saying, I'm starting a new way. I'm not going to rely on the people of Israel anymore, on the nation of Israel to be faithful. I'm going to start a new way to my followers, those people who have been given the secrets to the kingdom of God, not based on what nationality they are, but based entirely on their faith in the secrets of the kingdom of God. He said, Don't, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? You know, Jesus is saying that if you want to understand everything else that I'm saying, you have to understand this one. This parable is the most important parable if you want to understand any of the other parables. 
Next week, we're going to be reading three more parables. And Jesus is saying, you have to understand this parable if you're going to be able to understand those parables. Lots of the time in parables, Jesus is saying things like, the kingdom of God is like this. Or how can I compare the kingdom of God? Oh yeah, it's like this. Jesus in those ones is kind of telling us what the kingdom of God is like. In this parable, he's teaching us how to become members of the kingdom of God. How to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. And so if we don't get this one down, we're not going to get any of the rest. If you are not believing in the words of Christ, you're not going to believe the later words of Christ. If you're not believing these words of Christ, you're not going to believe the later words of Christ. So Jesus decides to explain the parable to those who are around him, to those to whom the secret of the kingdom has been revealed. He says first in verse 14, the sower sows the word. The word. What is the word? I would argue that this word is the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the message that Jesus came to proclaim. This is the message of the apostles. The sower is not specified to be Jesus, which means that the sower could be anyone. The sower could be the person who becomes an apostle. The person who is the sower could be the disciples of the apostles. The sower could be me. The sower could be you. And in fact, the sower should be you. The sower should be me. If we are not sowing the word, then this parable is pretty much completely pointless. There has to be a sower sowing the word of God. Well, maybe you're sitting there being like, okay, sowing the word. How do I do that? Well, the word, like I said, is the word of the gospel. How, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of you sitting here, if someone were to walk up to you and ask you, what is the gospel, would you be able to tell them? There's an epidemic in churches today where people have been going to church for years and years and years, grown up in the church. But if someone were to walk up to them and say, can you teach me how to be a Christian? They would say, no, I really don't know about that. It's absolutely inexcusable. Imagine going up to a person who was a carpenter. They've been a carpenter for Or maybe I'll go with something more simple. A bricklayer. Someone has been laying bricks for 50 years. They've been a bricklayer. And you walk up to the bricklayer and you say, can you teach me how to lay bricks? And he was like, no, I have no idea how to do that. And, but we allow that in our churches. We allow people to come in here, to sit in our pews, to sing our songs, and then to leave. And they have absolutely no idea what the gospel is. They have no idea how to tell somebody how to be a Christian, why they should be a Christian, how to become a Christian. It's insane. And it's wrong. So if you don't know, if you're sitting here and you don't know what the gospel is, you wouldn't know how to tell somebody. Let me tell you right now. The gospel is this. Humanity was created in a perfect union with God. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, they turned their backs on God. They disobeyed him. That created a broken relationship with God. And it put all of humanity 
in a state of bondage to sin and unbelief. God did not leave us in that state, but sent his son, his only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come to earth and to live a perfect life on our behalf, to die the death that we should have died for our sins. Three days later, he rose from the grave. And if you put your faith and your hope and your trust in the Lord Jesus, you will be saved from your sin. You will be brought into correct relationship with God. Amen. You will no longer be a sinner lost at sea. You will be a saint in the arms of the living God. That's our message. That's what the sower is sowing. That's what we as Christians are commanded to sow. It's not a question of capability. It's not a question of whether or not you are eloquent. It's not a question of whether or not uh, you have somebody in your church who's doing it for you. Because I'm your pastor, but I can't obey the word of God for you. I can obey the word of God on my behalf for myself. And even then, I'm not good enough to do that. And so how can you expect a guy who can't follow the word of God by himself for his, for his own sake to be able to follow the, God, the word of God on your behalf? You have to follow the word of God. You have to step up and you have to share the gospel with people around you. That is our job. That is who we are. That is our goal here in this town. We are to go and sow the word of God. And like I said before, every time that we sow the word of God, there will be a response. And sometimes it'll be hostile. Probably more often than not, it will. It usually is. I've experienced it. If you have shared the gospel, then you have experienced it too, I guarantee. You have experienced the hostility of people who would be so aggravated that you would dare to tell them how to live their life. But you're not telling them how to live their life. You're telling them the gospel. You're telling them what God says. You're telling them to turn from their sin and put their faith in Jesus. That's not a legalistic thing to say. That's not something that is just you spitting rules at people and demanding that they have no fun ever. That is the word of God. That is the word of the gospel. Jesus talks about four responses to the word of God. And I would argue that Every single one of the people that you will ever share the gospel with will fall into one of these categories. And actually, maybe you are in this category. That's something that you have to examine in yourself. Are you in one of these categories? You, I mean, you will be, but are you in the good category or not? Is the question. Verse 15. These are the ones along the path where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. There are some people in this world who are just so opposed, so hard-hearted and against God that you basically could be talking to a brick wall. Those are the people probably who will be the most hostile. They will just the they will completely turn away the you will throw the gospel into their little plowed parts and they will just completely not receive it and satan will come and will take it away and will totally um 
They will completely ignore you. It'll be like you had never spoken to them. And I would argue that in the church, there are people who are like this, that they come and they sit and they listen and they go. And it makes absolutely no difference in their life. lives. Happens all the time. I think that for a long time, I was in this camp. When I came to church as a young child and later as a teenager, I sat in the pews. I heard the sermons. I could never tell you what they were, what, they, what was said in those sermons, because the word of God was completely snatched away from me. I was completely ignoring the word of God. And it didn't matter to me how many times people proclaimed the gospel to me. It didn't make any difference. But I would have considered myself a Christian, called myself a Christian, but it made no difference in my life. The Bible has solutions for these people, the people who are stuck in this, in this uh, state of being. Turn if you want, if you, you should want, turn to, in your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36. When you go out as a Christian and you proclaim the word of God to people, these verses that I'm giving to you should be something that is on your heart. Not something that you're just spitting at them, but something that you can pray through. Something that you can ask God about. Ezekiel chapter 36. The book of Ezekiel is a fascinating book. It is a book where the Lord is speaking to exiles, people who are so far away from God and from their faith that they have absolutely no idea what to do. God sends Ezekiel to step up and to call people back to the Lord. And in Ezekiel 36, we have the word of the Lord through Ezekiel speaking to the people. Ezekiel 36, starting in verse 26, where God makes a promise. He says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey all my rules. The Lord is promising through this verse to the people of Israel that he is going to take out their hard hearts. He is going to plow the pathway in a sense. He is going to give them a heart of flesh, a heart that is ready to receive the word of God. So when you are stepping out and you are sharing the gospel with your neighbors and with your coworkers and with your friends, something that you can pray for is that the Lord would make this a reality in them as well. The Lord did this to the people of Israel back in the day, back in, well, I think it was about 470 years before Christ. The Lord changed the hearts of the people of Israel and they returned to the land of Israel and they returned to faithfulness to their God. And you can read about that in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. But the Lord will do this in the people that you are ministering to, the people that you are sharing the gospel with. This isn't something that you, you cannot make their hearts soft. All you can do is ask the Lord to make their hearts soft. The sower doesn't make the seed grow. The sower casts the seed and it grows. Your job is not to make people behave like Christians. Your job is not to make your children behave like Christians. Your job is not to make your parents behave like Christians. Your job is to scatter the seed of the word of God. 
and pray that the Lord will change people's hearts and that the word that you scatter to them will be received into their hearts. Back in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 4, we come to the next parable, or to the next section of the parable. In verse 16, And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a little while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. These are the people who, uh, they were at the tent meeting, and they heard the gospel, and they prayed a prayer, or they raised their hand, they came forward to the altar singing, Just as I am. But afterward, it had no impact in their life. It had no reality. They thought that by praying a little prayer to receive Christ, that that would sustain them through the hard times of life. That just that one thing, that magic little saying, was going to save them. But unless a person takes root and really grounds themselves in the word of God and really commits themselves to Christ, their faith is shallow. And things are going to come. There's going to be windstorms that are going to blow them over. There's going to be floods that uproot them and carry them away. Those people, when they make that, that initial commitment with excitement, if they are not discipled by someone, if they are not led by someone, if they don't spend time studying the Word of God and learning about who He is, then their faith is no faith at all. And you can make that initial vocal commitment, that intellectual or emotional feeling of commitment but if you, your life does not change, then where, where did that commitment go? Luke chapter 14 talks about this a little bit. Luke chapter 14. When it talks, when Jesus in his teaching talks about the cost of being a disciple. In Luke 14, verse 28, Jesus asks the question, For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, those who see it will begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build but was not able to finish. Or, what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks to make terms of peace. Jesus is saying here, if you are going to be a disciple of Christ, if you are going to be a Christian, you have to first understand what this means for your life. You have to understand that this is a life change. This is going to take you turning away from your old life and becoming a new person, which means that you aren't going to do the things that you used to do. 
you are going to commit yourself to God. The Bible has solutions for these sorts of people in the book of Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, please turn there. And remember this, when you are sharing the gospel with someone who at one point, they seemed like they were committed, but they had no root and their faith was shallow. And when hard times came, they fell away. Remember this and pray this for them. In Colossians 2, starting in verse 6, it says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled with him who is the head of all rule and authority. Rooted and built up in Christ. Walking in Christ. Following Christ. Not being taken captive by deceit and philosophy that would drag you away, that would turn you away from the word of God. If you know people who are in this boat, who they made a commitment a long time ago and it seemed genuine, but they're just not there pray this for them pray that they will not be deceived or taken captive by philosophy and empty deceit pray for them that they will become rooted and built up and established in the faith and honestly just keep throwing seed at them nothing will help people so much as giving them the gospel no matter how many times they have accepted it rejected it and turned away share the gospel Scatter your seed. The third category is the people who the seed is sown among thorns, the thorny soil. In verse 18, it says, Others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. You know, there are people who live the Christian life for many years, but sin and temptation and desire creep around their throats and drag them away. And I'm sure you know people like this as well. They're, they're actually in some ways very similar to the people who are rocky, where they might have, but these people, they, they have roots. You know, they've been a Christian for a lot of years, but there were just things that they wanted more than following Christ. The world and its desires came around them and dragged them into the muck. I have friends who were like this, who I thought were just the most solid people ever. And desire and the world and the things of this world promised them false things and choked them and dragged them away. And they stopped growing and they turned from Christ. Well, the Bible, I think, has solutions for this as well. In the book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 15, where it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. Sorry. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. 
And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. The people who, they were Christians, they were living lives that were following Christ, but they got choked out by the world. They began to love the world and the things in the world. And all the things that are in the world, the desires of the flesh, you know, the desire for, maybe it was the desire for, Drugs, alcohol, those sorts of things. Maybe it was a desire for sex. Maybe it was a desire for, who knows, the desires of the eyes. You know, people who just can't not look. People who are just sucked in by things. The pride of life. The people who just simply don't want to follow anyone. The people who just desire to live their own way. These things are not from God, they are from the world. But the world is passing away along with its desires. Pray this about them and tell them these things, that the world is passing away. You know, all of these things that you enjoy right now, they're temporary. Don't forsake the, the feast above for the tiny little crumbs down here. It's like, it's like going to a banquet hall as a starving person and crawling under the table for the things that people dropped rather than just eating from the table itself. These people are sucked in. They're sucked down. They've been, they've been lied to about what the world has to offer, and they think that it's better. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Pray this over them. And continually, continually sow the word of God. Lastly, the final group of people who responds to the word of God are the ones that are good soil. They hear the word, they accept it, and they bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And I think you could argue that before any of you were saved, you were in one of those other three camps and you moved into the camp of the good soil. I think you could probably... I know that I was the pathway. Maybe some of you used to be the rocky soil. Maybe some of you are the pathway. Maybe some of you are the rocky soil. Maybe some of you are the thorny soil. But you can change. You can move over into this other camp. You can receive the word. And those around you that you wish would would come to understand, those around you, those in your life, maybe it's your friends maybe it's your children maybe it's your family they can come they can become the fertile soil they can move but it is a work of god it's not because of you and it's not going to be because you make them do it it's going to be always and forever a work of god but when those people hear the word they accept it they bear fruit And life is better. Not always easier, but life is better. And they bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. I want to end just by talking about the promises to those people who are the fertile soil. Finally, I just want to end with really good news. I think that that's appropriate. Turn in your Bibles. To Revelation chapter 3. There are so many promises given to the fertile soil. 
to people who are committed to Christ, to people who have received the word and accept it, and they've gone out and they've borne fruit. But I just think that this sums it up really well. This is the word of Christ to a specific church in a specific time, but its application extends beyond this. And the promises that were given to this church extend beyond this. So Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down at your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What promises we have. What promises are given to us? We have little power, but we hold fast to the name of God. And he promises that those who mock us, that those who turn against us, the ones who are against us, the ones who drag us down, those people in our lives who try to pull us away from following, that he will have those people come and bow down at our feet and he will show them that he loves us. He will keep us from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world. He will keep us from the judgment of the world. He will make us pillars in the temple of God. Pillars. Unshakable pillars in the house of God. We will have the name of God written on us. We will be unmovable, unshakable. We will be in paradise and it will be amazing because of the love of God that is in us for those of us who have committed ourselves to the word of God remember those promises when it's hard and remember those promises when there's people in your life who will not come around continually pray for them continually scatter the seed of the word to them and just continually love them let's pray Father, I pray that you would give us boldness to step out of our comfort zones, to share the gospel with the people in our lives who need it the most. Father, I know, I know that there are people in this room who have family members and those that they deeply love who are simply lost. Lord, I pray that you would change the ones who are the, the hard-hearted ones. I pray that you would give them a heart of flesh. I pray for those who are shallow, that you would help them to take root. 
I pray for those who are choked out by the desires of this world, that you would show them that those things are passing away and that it's better to look to you and to get the feast that you have prepared for those who love you. Lord, I pray for all of us, that you would help us to be fertile, the fertile soil, that as we receive the word of God here at church and in our own personal study times and devotions, that you would make us fertile, that we would receive the word of God in faith. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.